Thank you so much for listening to the Spooky Door Podcast. Before we begin this episode, we just want to say that you can now watch our episodes and not just listen to them. That's right. We're now uploading all our episodes with video content onto our YouTube channel with lots of various topics, such as top tens and more. Of course, we will always maintain our audio form, but now you can watch the episodes. If there is any subject or topic you'd like us to cover, please let us know. Check out thespookydoor.com or search for the Spooky Door Podcast on YouTube. As always, thank you so much for being a listener and we appreciate all the support. Venture into the shadows with hosts Jordan and Ashley as they peel back the veil to reveal in-depth images into a different realm. One of strange events, places, occurrences, phenomena, and sometimes even horror. Join them as they journey through the spooky door. (laughs) Welcome to the Spooky Door Podcast. We cover all things weird and eccentric and also paranormal. My name is Jordan. With me is always my co-host, Ashley. Hello. And then um, today's guest, we have a very special guest, actually, is Drew Smith. Drew has a lifetime interest in the esoteric and occult philosophy. He's been a seeker since his teen years and says that his practice can be politely called eclectic. He's also a musician and fronts the blues punk band Phantom Ocean and the punk rock band Hidden Knives. Hey, Drew, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Drew is also, uh, you're in Massachusetts, right? Yep live in massachusetts about an hour from boston starting off uh what what's some of your earliest experience to get you started with everything so when i was young um i mean first of all i would absolutely swear to you that the house that i grew up in was haunted by something i would definitely see an apparition around sometimes in the little house that i grew up in and the library that i had in my small town that I grew up in, in New Jersey, had actually a surprisingly decent collection of books on the occult. Um, I've still got one of them on my shelf because I accidentally stole it from the library. (laughs) (laughs) Which which, which book is that? Uh, It is a Golden Dawn Guide to Divination. Well, if there's any libraries out there that are looking for it, you know where it's Right, they they are going to be, uh, (laughs) they are going to be vengefully coming at me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just made an enemy of every librarian i know every single one so yeah you, so you said the house you grew up in was haunted like what would happen um you would just you know doors closing on their own when there wasn't any wind blow them open or closed you know when like the windows were closed um and yeah just every once in a while i'd see you know an apparition uh the basement was you know especially spooky for no good reason uh you would occasionally see somebody pass through the hall and then you know you'd look and there wasn't somebody there (laughs) um it's always fun yeah yeah and i grew up in a in a fairly religious house which is how i ended up accidentally taking that book is i had to absolutely hide it and then i turned around three months later and went oh no that's where i hid that (laughs) (laughs) um so was that what kind of got you started into the occult yeah, that's that's really what got me interested. I mean, I, I feel like I was always a weird kid. I feel like that's kind of a commonality among a lot of us that, you know, get into the occult, right? Yeah, right. Is no, that yeah, we were all, I was all kind of weird that. kids. Yeah. 
I would say like anyone who's like into a cult or paranormal in general probably had something starting off when they're young. And then, you know, you just, like you said, you go to the library, you get a book and it just kind of starts from there. And we're also giant weirdos. Yeah. So you almost wonder if that's what made us all weirdos. Yeah. Yeah. Is it we're weirdos because we experience something or we experience we're something. weirdos so we experience something? <laughs> Uh, I think I think for me, like the very very first book I ever picked up was like, oh, man, I was really young. I went to the library, and I think it was like a book on dreams, and that was kind of like my gateway. <laughs> um, so mine was really similar though. Um, they had a remember because the way where I'm from, the way the elementary schools were set up was you would do like I think it was like kindergarten through like third grade at one elementary school, and then you'd do like fourth to uh, sixth grade at a different one. And so the second elementary school, the library had like books like Supernatural Ghosts and Ghost Stories and one on the Mothman that both like first it started my sister's older and she would rent them and bring them home and I would read them. And then when I got into that school, then I was bringing them home and it was just repetitively the same books. Your school was way cooler than mine. My school didn't have any that type of stuff. <laughs> Seriously, your school um, was way cool. We did. Um, we did. We absolutely did. I feel like that's kind of a commonality for me, too, is especially, and I mean, I know every place has its folklore, but, you know, growing up in New Jersey, we're lousy with folklore because, you know, Revolutionary War, before, literally New Jersey, you know, was settled before we were a country, so there's stories stretching all the way back to the 1600s, Uh, there's the Jersey Devil, which is, you know, probably the most famous one, but, I mean, New Jersey is a state that is just lousy with legends all over the place i mean the gates of hell clinton road shades of death road uh the jackson whites up in the mountains yeah you know, all of the pine barrens so like where you are do, do people talk about like the new jersey devil often at all or is that just kind of one of those, um, it's like mothman where people are just like okay yeah it was a thing and it happened was, whatever right yeah it's i feel like i'm maybe not the best gauge for that because like it was definitely a subject that came up among like my friends right when i was younger but i was also friends with the weird kids right so Maybe we were all fascinated folk. by that yeah it, it's much more like i think the mothman where it's like yeah that's that's a thing and it happened maybe or you know also like the pine barrens aren't depending on what part of the pine barrens you're in are not super populated so what's what's the Pine Barrens? Uh, the the Pine Barrens is a stretch of land, and I am absolutely being that guy right now, and you know looking up just how big they are. Um, it's a uh, coastal pine barren in New Jersey. It stretches across seven counties. Oh yeah. So it's this gigantic. What's it called Just, again? Because I'm also going to be that guy and Google it on my laptop. Uh, the Pine Barrens. And it's, yeah, they, they stretch throughout the state. It's where the Jersey Devil is supposed to live. Um, there's a bunch of other spooky legends from in there, like, you know, the, the Blue Hole of New Jersey and things like that. And all of those legends really, really fascinated me when I was younger. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now, actually. And yeah. it is very it's massive. It's, it's huge. massive. It's massive and parts of it are very green and then parts of it are very, very spooky. I remember being in an old band one day 
we were on tour and we were driving through part of the Pine Barrens and my bandmate looked at me and he just went, I feel like we could drive like 30 miles and not see anybody. And I'm like, you are absolutely correct. <laughs> I feel like, like it says something that I, when I Googled Pine Barrens, it um, suggested that maybe I meant creepy New Jersey Pine Barrens. <laughs> <laughs> That fabulous sums it up right there <laughs> yeah um yeah so what's so what makes them so creepy that it's so so vast is it like having i'm sure it has urban legends galore and stuff oh it, it has tons of it has tons of urban legends um it has absolutely i mean as any place is you know it it ends up being the site of death uh the bodies get dumped there and also it just it's it's a very liminal space depending on what time of day you're there. Like driving through the Pine Barrens at dusk for me at least very much felt like this is not normal reality anymore. Like you're in a place where you can drive for again like 20 30 minutes and sometimes and not see another car on the road. That's like crazy. you're going through these these twisting back roads sometimes. And, you know, you'll see, you know, like a house or like some trailers or some cars, but that's it. You're not seeing other people. And especially in New Jersey, which is the most densely populated state in the country. Right. That's weird. That is, man, that's crazy. Because I just like, imagine, I just can't like imagine like how vast, like, I saw a picture, it's like an ocean of trees. Um, yeah, it yeah. says there's like, not one, but like multiple like abandoned towns in it yep <laughs> not just Multi one <laughs> not just one abandoned town multiple, multiple. abandoned towns there are multiple yeah that's crazy oh it's yeah it's it's a lot Dude. there's a lot of space there and there is a lot of you know potential there at least you know in your head and you're driving through and Again, you know, your your brain starts thinking in like this liminal space, this place that is not normal reality. Yeah, just googling it, all it does is pop up all kinds of like like websites on creepy stuff and um, like that. There, it's not like oh, visit new like visit this forest in this this national park. It's just like no, it's all this creepy crap. Yeah, and I it's actually like, yeah. am on I'm on Wikipedia, and it's actually there's a list of how many um, towns are included in this area, Jordan. And I'm just going to let you glance at this. This isn't the whole screen. What? But that's There's only like a portion 50 of... 50 towns. Yeah. Yeah. How... Like, oh, like, it's usually like a town or two, like, located. Like, how... God, that's, that must be a massive, massive. amount of land. Oh, it's, it it's huge. Um, the, the closest I've come in Massachusetts to being in a place that reminds me of it is the Bridgewater Triangle. What is that? The Bridgewater Triangle is an area that around Fall River that is um, about 200 square miles and it's the site of a lot of alleged paranormal phenomena, UFOs, um, Bigfoot sightings, Thunderbirds. Um, and it is... Yeah. It's it's a creepy place. Uh, Profile Rock is a spot. Uh, we actually hiked through uh, Freetown Fall River State Forest 
the day after our honeymoon. And we took a lot of pictures on disposable cameras. And unfortunately, the film development place, I think, lost all of them. Oh, no. Yeah. Not that I was expecting to get much, but still. That's the, um, that's the second story we've had on this podcast about someone losing her camera. <laughs> do you think yeah. maybe people are really losing their cameras are like, the, there's people out there that are like, man, these are some cool pictures. I'm just going to keep them. Nah, I don't yeah. think so. Who knows? Um, but no, that's the only place. I, I love places like that where you're further away. And I say this, I love modern life. I love people. But I like being able to go to places where you are not surrounded by people because I feel like unplugging and yeah. being in those kind of liminal spaces is such a magical experience. I feel like it's, you know, it's really grounding and it really helps you, you know, get your feet back under you. Right. You and me, I, I love, I haven't gone in a while, but I enjoy going hiking and all that stuff. Just, you know, getting away, getting some fresh Same. air. Same. Same. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a, there's a park not too far away from here. Um, it's about 15, 20 minutes away. And inside there is a small little cemetery of about five headstones of like the original like people who lived there from like the 18th century. And they like boarded it off and they have like a little plaque and stuff inside this like huge park. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's a, I, I really enjoy going there. And also like there you see a lot, there's a lot of bald eagle sightings too in that area too. So, nice. Yeah. So it kind of so that place like goes for my creepiness and also my love of nature. So like yeah, it works both ways for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I love I love when you see cemeteries in weird places that they're not that your brain goes that's not supposed to be there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, time though, huh. it's like what was there like way before everything though? It probably made sense at the time. Yeah, but yeah. it also makes me wonder too, like in that sense, like what the land looked like when those first were put down. Like massive difference. Yeah. There is there is one that's on the highway up to as we're driving from where we live in Massachusetts to um, Portland, Maine. There's a spot on the highway that you just pass, and it's a highway, so you can't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, you pass a little cemetery, and it was clearly somebody's like family cemetery. And nope, that's where it is. It's fenced off. The highway has not encroached on it. That's just where it is. There's one um, in Seabrook, New Hampshire, which is over the border from where we live. Well, and it's this little family cemetery next to a furniture store. Well, in some cases, it's easier just to build around it than to like exhume everything, move the headstones, yep. replant it, and then like you know do all that work than just well we can just work around that and just leave it where it is. It's like the same time yeah. they build around massive, you know, huge trees. Sometimes stuff will get built around that and you'll be like, okay, because it's just easier to build around it than to remove it. And I and I do like to think that we've all learned a lesson from Poltergeist at this point, right? right. Not to build directly <laughs> over it. Well in Poltergeist it wasn't the fact they built over a cemetery, it was the fact that they didn't remove the bodies they, from the- <laughs> Yeah, they, they they moved the headstones, they didn't move the bodies. Which is the famous I like to think we've all learned from that. Yeah, like, all right, we either move the bodies or we don't move anything. That's the famous quote. You move the bodies. You move the headstones, but not the bodies. My favorite thing about that is, um, you remember the scene in that where the the coffins come up and the bodies come out? Yes. That's actually what I'm mentally picturing as you guys are talking about this. Yeah. Is that apparently, I guess, those were real bodies? What? Yep. I've heard this too. I have heard this too. Sounds like an urban legend. (laughs) No, because it's so much cheaper to get real ones than to have 
good looking fake ones made and i'm just like hmm. right and you know there's a whole did story. you not read the script but there's a whole story behind like the series too that you know that was cursed and stuff so right. you almost yep. wonder well the little girl died like yeah nothing. little girl died uh dominic uh dominic dunn died picking up some bad juju from yeah. the bodies i love that. yeah you know the old you know the older sister was murdered in that movie right yes Jeez, i didn't know that yes. oh yeah no she was murdered by her uh she was murdered by her boyfriend wow which makes watching so the, like oh knowing all this stuff makes watching that movie like even creepier yeah. i feel like so the movie is like sounds like the movies is cursed or at least when they made it, it was cursed yeah <laughs> yeah same thing the exorcist they had tons of horrible things happen on the set of exorcist oh god yeah to the point where they had a priest come in like every other week to bless the set because <laughs> yep. like horrible, you would have to horrible that. things yeah. just kept happening it's like geez and then you got like the movie like the witch and they had like absolutely nothing happen they've like they went to the director and they're like is anything weird happening suddenly like, no man everything was fine <laughs> Nope. <laughs> no, it's it's all very nice, actually. Yeah, it's like, oh, this movie deals with Satan, and it's like, no, it's in like satanic worship, and it's like, yeah, no, no problem. We had no problems at all. Great here. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, <laughs> getting a little back on track. Um. So, what what got you like really into like a cult and start practicing more into and you know start building up your I guess your eclectic mix of beliefs and systems that you do. So I'd say probably the thing that did it the most for me was it was a one, two punch. It was, I discovered chaos magic through uh, Peter Carroll and especially Phil Hines book condensed chaos. And again, to, to a lesser extent, like, you know, Liebernal and psychonaut from Peter Carroll. And so I started reading about that stream of it and, at almost the same time, um, I discovered The Matrix, which led me to The Invisibles. So, again, into that chaos magic current. Mm-hmm. And then not too long after that, um, the DisinfoCon speech that Grant Morrison, the author of The Invisibles, gave, if you've ever gotten to see that. No, I haven't seen that. No. It is 45 minutes of him talking about sigil magic, chaos magic other things and he just starts it off with this primal scream and so you know i was like i love grant morrison that guy's uh, crazy (laughs) they they are uh because it's actually they them now they're non-binary um so i think i might have i think i might have dropped the wrong pronoun there too but you know mistakes are made um but no they're they're wonderful they are you know super influential on me and my approach to art, my approach to kind of everything. And so I started experimenting with sigils and that got me, you know, I started seeing like actual success with that where, you know, previous stuff that I had seen had been like, okay, I'm, I'm reading tarot cards and I'm getting like, okay at it. And, uh, you know, but this is hard. Yeah. And so, Essentially, turbo-boosted approach to magic worked very well when I was a teenager, which is what Chaos Magic was for me, was, okay, cool. Yeah, explain... Do um, these things. Explain Chaos Magic real quick. Like, kind of give... So... Go ahead and explain it. At least your interpretation of it. Okay. Uh, Chaos Magic is... Ideally, and I say this just for me, Chaos Magic is magic without... 
kind of the the shackles of sticking to rote interpretations of things. We do this because we've always done it like this. Um, being willing and able to change paradigms. For me, a lot of it is being able to admit when I'm wrong about something. And, you know, for me especially, it's keeping... I keep pretty rigorous notes on things that I do, and I've gotten more and more unflinching about, you know, looking at what I'm doing and being like, I failed at that. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I have workings in, in my journals that I go through, and I'm like, yep, that was an utter fucking failure of a thing. <laughs> um, but what can I learn from this? Right. Yeah, like things that just did not pay off at all. You know, like I did this. What what did I do wrong? Um, and I always describe my my kind of view of magic as one: it is um, tilting the scales a little bit because I've I've had um, I've had friends who are skeptics be like, "Oh, why don't you just you know do it to you know win the lottery?" And I'm like, "That's not because if I improve my odds from one in fifty million to let's say I'm amazing at this one in a million congratulations i've still got a one in a million shot i'm probably not winning on top of that it's not really the way it works or is designed to work either for me from my personal experiences with anything based around magic it's all about you know improving yourself or improving like the things around you it's not about yeah, there might be a little bit of personal gain, like, oh, I want, you know, I'm putting my intuition in this because I want this new job or, you know, I want this or whatever. But it's not like I don't see it being something where I think, I think like, oh, I'm, I'm going to cast this spell and do all this stuff so I can win the lottery. It's like that's not how this works. I all. also think, too, with that being said, you know, it's one of those things, too, like it's more so about doing what you're feeling at that time. And there's no like step by step instruction booklet as far as like this is what you're supposed to do to get yeah to a b and c well and i mean i i personally for me i i went through that um i went through you know that whole thing of like i don't i don't do this for you know personal gain and um it's it's the weird thing of you know there's there's various reality tunnels and paradigms that you go through and jordan you and i both come from a really strong punk rock background and right. diy and that <laughs> and you get those people that are like nah i don't care about like you know material material gain and you know that's fine like people say that all the time and i've noticed a lot of the people that say that are then very mad that they don't have material gain yes um, that's true that's absolutely true Definitely. And like for for me personally, I'm like no, I I don't see something wrong with being prosperous and being. I, I don't see something wrong with being able to look at my bank account and not mutter ah shit when bills come in at the end of the month. Like I you know, I, I can look at my mortgage payment and go okay, cool, that's just automated and I don't really worry about it. And that, I mean, that doesn't even come down to like magic or belief systems too. I mean, like, you know, people who have other faiths will like pray and be like, okay, I want, you know, I want to be better. I want to be able to pay for these things. I don't want to be stressed out about my day-to-day life or my bills and they'll pray to yeah. you know, whatever God or deity or someone who may just be an atheist like, man, I just really wish like something would happen so this would be better. <laughs> or I'm really yeah. hoping like, you know, things just start working out better for me. It's like, you're just putting that, you're just putting that energy out there. Like I just, you know, it's like, 
I, I, it's not saying I want this or I need this. It's just like, I hope this may happen. It's kind of that yeah. kind of thing. Well, and, and that's my thing with, with magic is I think that magic is will directed at things. And I don't think that having a will of, I would like to be financially secure and not worry about these things. Um, is a bad thing. I don't think it's immoral. I don't think it's, I think it becomes immoral once you start essentially turning into a dragon and hoarding it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's that way with any resource. Yeah. Like, I don't think it makes you like snooty or materialistic. In yeah. Since it's just, you're responsible and you want to be able to take care of yourself. Like you should be. Yeah. No, I, I don't think that there's for me, the idea of magic is, Twofold. One is that you use what works, and I don't think that what works for one person is going to work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, I know people that are practitioners who are like, I sigils have never worked for me. Um, and similarly, I know people that are like, um, ritual work, you know, gives me absolutely no feeling. I'm like, that's fine. Um, like, you do whatever works for you, and I don't think it's the same for everybody at all. And right. also, I think intention is super important. I think that, for instance, you know, like we were just talking about Jordan with, you know, the, the punk rock background, you meet a lot of, you know, punk rock guys who are like, nah, money doesn't matter to me. And, you know, I hate thinking about money. And, well, if you hate thinking about and dealing with money, then it's always going to be a problem for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And these are also the guys who are complaining and then like bumming money on the, on the streets. Yeah. <laughs> with their um, guitar, trying to fill their guitar case up with money. Cause they're like, fuck the man. It's like, well, yeah. But or, like, or not even that. I can't get a corporate like I, job. <laughs> I, I used to be one of those guys not playing the acoustic guitar, but like every month there seemed to be like money problems. And Same. the thing that I was thinking about recently is not that like my job prospects have massively improved as I've gotten older. I mean, they have, I enjoy my job now and, uh, you know, it provides me a lot of freedom to make music and all that. But one of the things is that I started taking money seriously as an entity and as a thing to be respected and at least understood. And I'm not going to say that I never have times that I worry about money, but now I stop and, you know, I look at it and I'm like, okay, I'm no longer, I couldn't tell you the last time that I did a sigil or a spell or anything like that for like, shit, I need a hundred dollars right now to cover X, Y, Z thing, which I used to do. And (laughs) it would come to me in the most insane way. There was one time I literally walked into, I was like, shit, I need a hundred dollars to cover like the remainder of my rent. And I have, $20. I I had like $22. So enough to withdraw money and not close out my account in an ATM. Because I had a bank that you could only pull 20s from. And I swear to you, I walked into the ATM and I walked up to, there were two ATMs. And I walked to the far one. And it had one of those basin catches for the money. You know how it spits out the money versus like an extender. And there was $80 sitting in there. Damn. Like somebody had left four 20s in the basin oh my god and i looked around and i'm like okay there's no card in this thing like there's no nobody's around i'm like okay the universe answered and i pulled 20 dollars out i picked up the 80 dollars that was right there and i'm like okay cool 
I have a hundred dollars. This is just what I needed. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's the thing is that if you, my personal belief is that if you ask the universe for something and you apply your will and your intent to it, then the universe is going to give you that. Um, which is why I try very hard. You know, people love to uh, people love to naysay. You know, things like keeping a positive mental attitude and things like that, you know, and I, I get that definitely new thought can be a fraught and perilous subject as far as not just magic, but culture goes, because we've all seen those people that are toxic and spout, you know, good vibes only. For me, I'm a big, big person. I'm big into a, you know, the positive mental attitude. I think yeah, same. I, I'm like yep. like that can like I mean people were really negative and they're like always complaining about stuff I'm like dude you just have to have like start thinking positive about things like oh that sounds so dumb and lame I'm like yeah but you're miserable <laughs> and I mean that's not to say I never get stressed out about right. stuff but yeah the, yeah you, you have to try like, you really have to start thinking positively about things or start like thinking like you gotta change your way of thinking if things are not working out at all it's like you maybe you're maybe you're maybe it's you <laughs> it's, I, I, <laughs> I I believe in PMA so much that I literally have a tattooed on my body um and if you want I'll show you guys later because we're not on video chat but I'll show you my PMA tattoo it's on my arm so that I always have to look at it yeah, uh, and send it. We'll post it to our uh, yeah. Instagram or whatever. I'm, and it's I'm I'm not always perfect about it, but one of the things that I'm doing as you know part of my work this year is very much trying to be like okay, reframe my past and not think about like you know like I'll give you a perfect example. I was in a band that I very much enjoyed. That's how I know you, Jordan. Right. And it broke up four years ago, this June. And I could sit there and I could be still bitter and angry and you know all that because i know guys that are like that about their past bands um and like past relationships or i can think about all the fun that i had all the good people that i knew and you know the songs that me and that guy made that i'm pretty happy with right um you know i could look at my life and think like right now and be like i have this challenge and that challenge or i could be like you know what i have a beautiful wife and this little asshole goblin cat that I love so much. And I'm in two very cool bands that I enjoy. And, like, my bills get paid. I kind of like my job, you know? Like, not kind of. I enjoy my job. Are like, you, it's, it's, it's a pleasant job. Are you still working? So, wait. I, I wanted to cover this because I wanted to talk about your, your employment. Are you still being a youth pastor? No! <laughs> I, that, okay, I'm, I'm, that's like that's why we're I wanted to like, talk about still, this because this confused what? the hell out of me. You and I would always be talking about magic and all kinds of weird occult stuff. And we're like, oh yeah, I got a job as a youth pastor. I'm like, what? <laughs> can, yeah, can, you, can you explain that real quick? Explain that so everyone knows. <laughs> I've always, okay. I never got like the full gist of how this worked out anyway. <laughs> First of all, um, I'm, I'm going to issue a slight correction i wasn't a youth pastor it's i was running um a sunday school program okay um okay. so i was so. doing a lot of coordination okay. and a lot of staff and lesson planning and uh two is that one um a lot of the a lot of the the magical work that i do does come through um like the the western magical or western mystery tradition which filtered through things like golden dawn uh Dion fortune you know, which comes at things from essentially a very Christian worldview. Yep. Um, I also grew up very Catholic, so uh, I always like tell people, Mike, you can take the boy out of the Catholic Church. You can't take the Catholic Church out of the boy. 
Um, um, Ashley's boyfriend always phrasing. says... Phrasing! Ashley's boyfriend always says he's a recovering Catholic. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> so um, now, I mean, if I were going to pick any denomination now, I would probably say I'm probably closest to a Quaker. Really? Honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've I've been to several Quaker meetings, and they're just... They're very... I keep using the word magical. They're very magical for me of you go and there is silence and there is stillness. And I feel like as a society, we don't value that enough personally. Um, part of the reason, even when I don't go to a Quaker meeting, I just enjoy church. I'm like, I go and here is a place where you are for an hour and there is symbolism and there is stillness. I feel like we don't value stillness enough, but no, it's, I, I do consider myself a Christian and there is a church that I attend and the previous person who had been running it stepped down because they had to see to things with their family and the spot sat vacant for a while. And then one Sunday they mentioned it and I went, sure. you know what? I that, do that. Yeah, it, it was, it was just, it was, it was a call of like, this is a thing you should do for a while. Um, and I stepped into it. And I very much enjoyed it. And, you know, it was, I had never considered myself a person that was very good with kids. Um, no, I just, I, cause I have no interest in having children. This, this whole idea is just like, I, I'm, I'm still like, okay, one, you practice magic, but you're also like doing, doing stuff with like Sunday school. It's just, I... Um, and, and I had a good run of it up until COVID hit and it threw, yeah. you know, that yeah. whole job upside down. And I eventually stepped down in part because I was like, I am not prepared for this. Like, I can't, you need somebody who's like an educator, not a guy who is for running like online things and all that. You need somebody who is like really on the ball and you need somebody who can dedicate more than like the time that I can dedicate to this. Gotcha. Um, Although I will say it, it was a, a real shame for me uh, that in person, I mean, obviously with everything with COVID, in person things going to a halt, but um, having to repeatedly stop one of the kids from trying to RKO another kid <laughs> laughs, uh, okay. and repeatedly correcting him that it's called the diamond cutter. Oh, well, no, Diamond Cutter, he drops. RKO, he jumps up in the air. That's the difference. I just want to, I just want to like, it's funny to me because what Drew doesn't know about me is that I actually work at a preschool. So like um, everything you're saying, like, <laughs> it's just so entertaining to me because I see it on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. Children are lunatics. <laughs> they are. Um, they are. I have yeah. never heard a saying more true as the one that they are like mini drunk adults they yes are. they yeah. are <laughs> they're they're many drunk adults and they are um relatively indestructible yep my yeah. my yep. favorite thing with kids is that if you no sell that a child should be hurt by something they generally don't react yeah. as an aside i had um i dated a woman who had at the time and this is years ago a five-year-old and this kid ran in front of another kid being pushed on a swing set one time, and literally just the other kid, not on purpose, drop kicked her. Jesus. Being pushed, and she rolled into the dirt, and I like stopped my girlfriend from getting up and freaking out, and I walked over. 
And I like, kid was already picking herself up and I'm just no selling. I'm just like, nope, nope, don't freak out. Like, hey, kiddo, you okay? Yeah. I'm like, anything broken? No. And I'm checking her, making sure like you're not bleeding. Nothing's broken. I'm like, do we need to amputate anything? No. Do you want to go play? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go play. You're fine. Um, And the dad pushing the other kid on the swing was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for my kid to hit your kid. I'm like, don't worry. It's not my kid. (laughs) (laughs) And I walk back and I'm like three steps back towards the mom. And I'm like, that was the worst thing I could say. (laughs) That's Um, not my um, kid. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's not my kid. (laughs) I think it's also funny, though, to watch them do stuff like that. And just like as an adult, like your mentality is different, but you're also like you know one point in my life like that was me like what happened you know yeah. it's it's like why you know i'm you know you're completely different perspective on things now as an adult but like that was me once <laughs> and 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 that is one of the things with you know bringing it looping it back around to you know positive thinking and you know trying to live like that like when you're a kid you're not thinking about you know oh you know this thing happened to me three days ago and I'm still upset about right. it. No. You know, you're not, you know, you're bummed about something bad happening right now, but you're not dwelling on it. Right. Um, you're not thinking about the future and all the terrible things that can happen. You know, like I look at the future right now and I used to be, Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. And now I'm just like, no, screw it. There's no reason that I can't do this thing in like a year. Like, yeah, exactly. You know. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. So uh, going back to like practicing magic, um, did you have, because you you'd said uh, before that you've um, never done like any type of group ritual work, right? It was always so yeah. like solo practitioner. I've, I've always, I've always been very much, I mean, I, I have friends to practice and I've done a couple like distance workings where we coordinated things across different time zones. But in terms of like getting a bunch of people together and doing something, uh, that has not really happened for me um i've very much been just you know flying solo doing my thing there's nothing wrong with that no yeah um have you like uh had any like experiences while doing like solo virtual work i've done some but i mean i've also done like group stuff and uh, i've had experiences while meditating and all kinds of crazy weird stuff with that i have had um yeah and i generally don't like to explore too much um, the things that have happened, because I think that, you know, the, I think that the, the after effects of things that happen, like, you know, you do, I think the thing you're doing is almost more important than, you know, what happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I've definitely had, you know, odd experiences coming out of rituals. Um, I've definitely had that feeling of like, you know, a liminal space where it's kind of dreamlike. Um, one of my favorites was honestly after, you know, one ritual it wasn't some big heavy thing, but it was just, I had done this ritual work and all that. And I just stepped outside and I was like, wow, okay. I literally, and I, you know, had the windows open. So I was aware of how bright it was out because, you know, I lived in an apartment that got a lot of sunshine and I was like, wow, okay, I actually need to, like, you know, put on sunglasses. The world is much more vibrant right now. <laughs> um, it was just, and it was a thoroughly pleasant experience of, no, the world is just an incredibly 
vibrant place for me right now for the next, I'd say probably 45 minutes. Oh. It was quite nice. Yeah. No, I can, I can see that though. That's yeah. kind of equal to how like I feel if I come out of like a group thing, like, except like multiplied. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've come out like feeling really good and rejoiced and like you're attacking like everything just seems really violent. Uh, uh, violent. Very violent. Uh, vibrant and i watched a squirrel headbutt another squirrel <laughs> that day it was very violent i mean that's pretty but I've, I've also come out like really tired almost feeling drunk and like really exhausted i've, I've had that too where it's like you you put yeah. a lot into something and you're like oh my god that was that, that was pretty intense yeah I've, I've definitely had those experiences as well um no generally at this point a lot of a lot of the work that i do is i i take the same approach to this as I do to fitness, which sounds weird, but there was a quote that I read from somebody that rang true, which is, um, ideally when you're done with the workout, you should feel better leaving the gym than you did walking in, not the reverse. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. And it was somebody around our age, Jordan, who is a professional athlete talking about, you know, not beating the crap out of his body. Right. Similarly, at this point, I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not here for... A lot of ritual. I mean, there's always going to be some that's going to be super heavy and draining that you occasionally have to do. But like regular work that, you know, drains you is not work I'm interested in. Right. Yeah. Same. For me, it's the only time I feel drained is when it's like something happened. It was like super intense. And then afterwards, it's just like a lot to digest. And it's just like took a a lot out of me. It's not that I... Like, I understand when you go to a, like using the gym reference. I've gone to the gym. And I've freaking like blown myself out, and I get yep. done, and like everything hurts, and I'm miserable, and it's like me just eating just feels like sickening because I just extended myself way too much. Yeah, but and like you're, you're feeling bad for like three days, right? Too. But with this, it's kind of a difference because it's not so much physical; it's just more mental. But at the same yeah. time, it's like I even all those experiences I've had, it's, it's been incredible. But even though, like, the aftermath, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, usually after, like, symptoms die away, it's like, oh, wow, I feel really good. And I had, like, this really amazing positive experience or I learned this from that or, you know, however. So, yeah, I, I get what you're saying about that, too. Yeah. And my other one is, you know, I've I've noticed as I've gotten older and, you know, moved along I don't know if I'd say the path, but, you know, the the way I'm walking, you know, it's, I've noticed that I tend to do, like I was saying with, you know, sigils and spells and that, I, I tend to do less, less workings that are like, oh, I need to go do this. It's, no, I have this schedule. There are these regular offerings that I do. There are these, this regular prayer work that I do. There's this regular ritual work that I do. Um, I meditate twice a day. Um, last year, you know, I actually learned uh, transcendental meditation. Nice. Which has been, you know, honestly the, the most effective form of meditation I've ever done. And I've been meditating on and off since I was a teenager. That's awesome. My, my favorite yeah. thing about meditating is there's no wrong way of doing it. Yeah, like, exactly. And if sometimes you're doing it wrong, that means they're wrong. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I think whatever works for you, if you just need five minutes to go into a quiet place and just sit in a chair and just zone out, sure, awesome. Or, you know, maybe you need music and candles and a full hour, you know, the whole nine. Like, you know, just yeah. whatever works for you. Um, that's I mean, one of my favorite things about meditation. 
I'd, I'd say that on like the full hour thing, I'm just my personal opinion is that there's a uh, there's a diminishing returns point, right? At least for me, I'm like I don't know. Maybe every once in a while I'll see someone be like, I meditated for like two hours in the morning, and I'm like, that's a lot of my morning. Yeah, yeah. That's... I'm like that's guys, that's a lot of time. Well, it's like what for me, it's like every time I meditate, I never, I never have a set time period. It's just like I, I just know when I'm done. I just, yeah, I same, just know. I just same. know. I'm just like, yeah. oh, cool. I'm done. Yeah, um, no, I, I set a timer for 20 minutes and I'm good. And then you know, give myself you know, couple minutes to, you know, come up out of it because for me, the worst thing to do is just immediately get up and be like, all right, now I'm going to, you know, tackle my day. Cause it's cool. You just took all those benefits that you had and you just shotgunned them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, but I generally have a playlist that I listen to when I meditate and it's like, that to me is kind of like my time frame because I know you know if I hear a song I'm like wow I know I've been here for a while or it's like but I'm not really gauging that at all again I just yeah. I just know when I'm done I'm like I just I just know I have the feeling I'm like okay I don't need to do this anymore or in one case I had a really crazy experience and it was like going negative one of the few times I ever had like meditation go like really I, sour yes I've only had a couple, a couple times literally my cat jumped my lap and got me out of it. Aww. Yeah, I was like, "You are amazing." <laughs> it's like they knew, <laughs> yeah, which right. They probably did. One of the weirdest things that I just, I don't know, like she just jumped my lap, and it was just like she scared the crap out of me because I didn't know she like came into the room. But yeah, she was just like, and then she starts snuggling up to me, and I don't know if she knew or if that was just coincidence. But I would say back to what like we've heard in one of the first, like the very first episode we animals did, just we have, know, animals know, yeah. yeah. Animals know if you're in distress or if something's going wrong or if something is weird is going on. Like, they just know. I feel like my cat always, like, my one cat always wants to snuggle with me when I'm meditating, just in general. Like, and I think that's just a similar thing. Like, she can tell that my body's extremely calm. And she's like, oh, well, let's snuggle. There is there is a thing um, I was discussing it one day with somebody I know who is a uh, Transcendental Meditation instructor. And it's like, yeah, generally they're like, just, you know, give this time for yourself and like, you know, your kids can handle themselves for 20 minutes, shut your animals out. And I'm like, I don't shut Dustin out because Dustin sees, you know, my wife meditates as well. He also does TM and Dustin sees us meditating and goes, oh, cool. Family time. And he curls up between us. Oh, nice. And he just immediately like croissants himself and goes to sleep. He's like... I usually my leave my door open, but one of my cats, um, like he's just he has no personal boundaries, and he always wants attention at the world's worst times, no matter what I'm doing. So, um, it's like I I'm never quite sure. So normally I I will light incense, and that kind of like doesn't necessarily keep him out, but I know that like okay. Like if I'm being quiet and there's like incense going on, he generally the just smoke. Leaves. Yeah, I think the smoke, smoke kind of like them. yeah a little bit. So, not trying to be an asshole towards my cats, but it's just kind of like dude, like I just I need, need some space. Yeah, it's like I just need yeah. like 15 minutes alone, dude. <laughs> there is there is sacred space <laughs> which cats don't know about. Well, uh, cats do. They just think that the whole world is their sacred, sacred space. space. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot true. of us. I think that works better. Yeah, like yeah, just. <laughs> oh, I understand sacred space. You're in mine. Right. right. Like, like. You're I welcome. Can, I'm can, letting you use this. Yeah, I can be as close to you as I want constantly. But right. like, if I need my space, you you better give it to me. Yep. I will say like, 
I have I have some weird stuff in my house. I have a lot of weird occult stuff, and um, my cats will, especially Agent, he will get into everything. He just leaves that stuff alone, and I'm like, I don't know if it weirds you out or if you just know or if it just that interests you. But I'm happy that you don't knock this shit over. Well, if it's not like any type of energy on it, I'm sure he probably knows, like right. hey. or something. I don't know. But I'm just thankful he hasn't knocked over some like glasses. But you know, stuff. it's funny because I feel like now that you say that, like my cats are the same way. They don't touch um, that stuff. They leave it alone. Yeah. Dustin never really bothers any. You know, it helps that we adopted him and he's 11. And yeah. he's just like, nope, I am chill. I am older. I have dignity. And uh, we let him believe that. Um, he likes to think he has it. <laughs> I remember you were telling me one time you like went out in like five degree weather or something like that and did a ritual like outside and like the snowstorm or something crazy like that. Um, it was actually um, I was on the uh, the the bank of the Mystic River in <laughs> Somerville. Um, and yeah, it was which was not too far from where I lived at the time, and. Yeah, it was it was a lot. <laughs> um and I absolutely cast out um several things that were no longer bringing value to my life and you know, weighing me down in my practice. Um you know, several like physical items, physical representations of those things went and were gone. Um and yeah, that still got the the records of that ritual. Like I said, I keep I have several notebooks at this point that are, you know, hold my records essentially of the stuff I've done. And yeah, looking back on that, you know, it absolutely worked. Yeah, I remember you talking about that, and I was like, oh, yeah, wow. I was like, oh, no, that, I could do that. <laughs> that, yeah. that was, was a so lot. cold. Mm-hmm. Too much. Fun. It's yeah, no, it was actually very. It took longer than I. We'd won. I didn't want to take any time at all because it was like five degrees out. It was no bullshit, incredibly cold. Um, and because it was so windy, because I was on the water, <laughs> I was having the worst time. I'm sure. Uh, lighting. Yeah, first of all, cutting wind. And second of all, trying to light anything in that wind. Brutal exercise. Whew. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds pretty miserable. That was, that was pretty fun. <laughs> um yeah um so speaking of uh weird things in your house i know one that you've asked me about jordan is um you know and i can send you the picture uh we actually have i'm pretty sure it's an original um antique ouija board yeah, you. I remember you posted on our on, shelf. I remember you posted on Facebook that you found it in your apartment or something. It is a William Fold. No, so here's the story. Um, so we found it in my wife's family home that her grandmother lives in. Interesting. Um, it is. We found it in a wall where the uh, the ice box is. The plot. The Thank refrigerator. It's... Um, well, not really, because, <laughs> oh, you know, like, you're, like, you're just like, don't, don't, you're getting uh, no, 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 not, not, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm about to disappoint you. Um, <laughs> Thanks for the her, her great grandfather was a handyman and a carpenter, and he needed a piece of wood 
to fill this spot. And so he took his wife's Ouija board, cut it down a little bit, and nailed it in. That's hilarious. Um, and I'm just like... Improvising. Yeah, no, that's... Um, there, there is a saying that has floated around town um, because my, my wife's family is an old French family of, um, you know, never let a Frenchman fix your house. <laughs> because and i've i've seen some of merrimack valley was very heavily settled by those peoples and so i've seen some of them where it's like yep i pulled three different size nails out of this thing but whatever it held it in you know this was the days before you could go down to a hardware store and be like i need 50 nails of this exact size yeah, yeah. so you just you know, use what you had around the house i wouldn't yeah. say that that story was disappointing i just didn't go in the direction i expected yeah well, <laughs> well and so we we have it and it's wonderful and my favorite thing in the world was i posted a picture on instagram and a friend tagged somebody else who's a ouija board collector and he goes well it's probably from the 60s and i'm like that's amazing because uh my wife's grandmother is in her 90s. She still got all of her marbles. I want to be this lady when I grow up. Right. right. This When I met this woman, she was on a mile and a half walk to a coffee shop to meet yeah. her friends. Good and her. I was like, That's awesome. you're the coolest person I've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, can I please be? She's my argument for staying active your whole life. Yeah. You know? No, She's, I agree with that. Definitely. Like, just, That's you, my you goal are, in life is to be like that when I get older. Well, yeah. And if she baddest had it, old person on the planet. And if she had it from the fifties or sixties, that would actually make sense because there was the like new age craze going on around that time. This is you know, Oh no. Prior before oh, the no. hippie, what? This wasn't this no, didn't not, belong to her. Oh. This belonged to her mother. This this Ouija board belonged to my wife's great grandmother. Her grandmother's mother. So it was probably like an original Wow. It is an original William Fold. Oh my god. Dang. Um, okay, too so bad, it was too like bad when the Ouija board first came out. Too bad it's too messed up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those, yeah, I was gonna say it's you can see every letter and every number, and I'm going to just to refresh myself, I'm looking at it. Um there's the goodbye on it, but the yes and no are hacked down. Uh, um, um so it's not really a usable Ouija board, but it is, however, amazing to look at. And my favorite thing in the world is posting it and having people be like, put the thing back where, back where it came from. Um, if you don't mind, do you mind? No, it's fine. Do you mind if we post that picture to our blog so people can see it? Oh, yeah, it? no, that's totally okay, cool. fine. So we'll have a picture of uh, the Ouija board and also his uh, PMA tattoo on our blog if you wanted to see what these things look like. Especially the Ouija board, because it's just hilarious. Because I just showed it to me on a webcam, and it's all, like, hacked up. Yeah. It doesn't work, he, he but has good memories. He, he, he yeah. probably make it work. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, it's... it's so, I mean, yeah. Like I said, we've talked about this before. You can make a Ouija box out of a pizza... You can make a Ouija board out of a pizza box. That's true. So, yeah, I mean, we were talking about that <laughs> yeah. in one of our episodes. I think you, if you really wanted to make it work, uh, you probably could figure it out and make it work. Oh, you absolutely could. I mean, that's that's the thing, is I think that people stick to orthodoxy with... A little too much with a lot of occult and magic, personally. And there's value to the orthodoxy, but there's also the risk of absolutely entrapping yourself. Right. I yeah. I, I that was one thing that's always turned me off about it is kind of the dogmatic view that people have yeah. on it. Like especially like any type of ritual work or occult, and people are like, oh, this is the way it's always been done. I'm like, since when? 
Right. Like some of this yeah. stuff came out in like the sixties, like or the fifties. Like yeah. this isn't like it's not some like long held tradition that goes back thousands of years. <laughs> and also there's no there's nothing that automatically says that just because it's you know, a tradition that stretches back two thousand years that you have to do it exactly like that right, right. now, that that's you know, sacrosanct and can never be altered. I mean, I feel like there's a good balance to be struck between respecting the traditions of the past and also accepting that we are in 2021 and where we are now, let's say for instance, if you're doing something with, I don't know, I'm going to throw out, you know, an example. Let's say you're doing some sort of work with, I don't know, Zeus or Hades or something like that. You know, Hecate, there's nothing that says, okay, we have to carry on exactly like it was in that era because it's not that era and at a certain point not to really put my foot in my mouth at a certain point it kind of strikes me more like somebody's cosplaying i mean and i can see that and that's also you know to say you know a good point to that as well is like why would you try to do it exactly like it supposedly was done in that era because there's no way we know to a yeah. t to a science how it was done so yeah. it's almost like ridiculous to even have that expectation. Right. And also things things always change and they move and they alter. Um, you know, I think of it very much in the same vein with uh, with music. It's I make, you know, blues-based music. I am not a conventional blues band. You yeah. know, I make sometimes very hard edge punk blues. Sometimes I make very like psychedelic blues. And I've had people tell me they've heard something and they're like, oh, this isn't really blues music. And I'm like, yes, it is. It's just not what you want to call blues music. Right, right. This is absolutely blues-based music. It's just not conventional 12-bar guy in a bowling shirt playing Sweet Home Chicago blues. <laughs> right. Um, and very similar. It's like, no, this is a valid ritual. It's just not a passed down from, you know, 1500 or whenever, you know, Solomonic ritual or what have you. I'm just throwing something out there. Dude, I, I've been to rituals before where there no props, nothing, no candles, yeah. nothing. Nothing was used except for people. And that was it. You know, and some of those are even the most amazing because there's literally there's 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 nothing. It's just you just go in there and just do your thing, and it works yeah. great. Yep, that's how that uh, Egyptian was one was yeah. that I took you to. Mm -hmm. Like that was cool. There was nothing. It was just, that was it. Like um, sometimes those work for me even better. Yeah, I was gonna say sometimes yeah. I feel like that's that's what you need. Because you're not so worried about like oh that needs to be placed there or this needs to be done like yeah. this or this needs to be said like that like whatever <laughs> yeah it's it's very much um it, it's at a certain point with people who are so obsessed with the trappings of rituals you start it starts to become rote it starts to become much more all right check notes check notes read off list and it's like that's not i'd much rather have the energy high right. when i am doing a ritual or like similarly i've had you know i do um tarot card readings and there are times that i'll do like a very traditional spread or a spread that like i've come up with or that somebody introduced me to that works for me 
And then I remember, you know, a couple of the ones that have absolutely resonated with me that I've done for people were one I did for a friend and I literally just flipped two cards and I was like, yup. And I told her what I saw and, you know, she several months later was like, you were absolutely spot on. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how you did that. Like, and then one that I did for someone where at one point I was literally just sitting there and I was doing it online. I was doing it over zoom and I'm sitting there and I'm holding them fanned out. Like I'm reading a poker hand and I know, you know, in the back of my head, there was that little voice of somebody going, you need to respect the cards, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, I am right. (laughs) But I'm just like, all right, so here's what, and it just very much like, I know I looked like a tired guy at a casino table. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So here's what I'm saying. Um, and yeah, as long as you're using what, as long as you're using the cards, right? And your intentions, right? Like like, I don't see, right? Um, I I, just remembering the meme of like, you know, you need to, you know, respect your card, grab them, blah blah blah, and then it's, you know, me. Reading them, reading them, laying upside down on my bed, drink sitting next to me. Wild. One of my uh, favorite places to find spreads is actually Pinterest. Same. Like, hmm. You can find, oh man, there's so many, like, there's some amazing spreads, and you could try them out and be like, wow, that did nothing, right? That didn't work for me at all. And then you find one, and I found, I have a couple that are my favorites, and I just found on uh, Pinterest. And I'm not the greatest at ter- tarot reading. Um, I'm more fascinated by them. I have like 50 decks. <laughs> I collect them, but I'm not the greatest at like reading them or using them. They're, I, I'm just more, I just more respect and appreciate them. I, I, I don't think I'm any great talent. I think I do a lot of them and because I keep notes that I can go back and I can look at the ones that I've done for like myself and just be yeah. like, Wow. Fuck you, past self. How dare you attack me right now? Or oh, yeah. again, where I've had several people that I've done them for, you know, turn to me and tell me like, wow, that really helped. That really put things in perspective. You know, months later, somebody being like, you were absolutely right. And I didn't want to admit it then. And I'm like, well, at least at least you figured that out right. now. At least you know now. Yeah. I think like, um, too. No, like, no shade. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I think it's also too like important to like, remember too and i also think this is interesting to me one of my favorite things about it is like you get like different feelings different vibes almost like a different mood from deck to deck like you could use you could do a certain layout of a reading um using one deck and then switch to a completely different deck and get completely different results see i've only ever really used the rider weight uh yeah, I, I've had the same tarot deck forever. I I actually enjoy using different decks. Because um, because um I have had I have one deck and this is gonna sound insane. I have a deck that kind of has a comedic sense of personality almost. Yeah, <laughs> when it does readings, it's like it just pulls out these cards. You're like, what the hell? It's kind of goofy and funny. And then I have other decks that are just like you do a reading and it's like it's just straight into the point. Yeah, yeah. I have no, it's. Deck. I, I love other decks. Um, I'm still low key sad that the uh, the Twin Peaks Tarot never really came out. Wasn't that a GoFundMe or something like that? 
Yeah, I don't... I'm trying to think. You know, Twin Peaks, Tarot. I, yeah, I don't think it ever... I don't think it ever really made it. Um... I, but I, it's it's fun to me now. Like, how yeah, the many, campaign has been canceled and the deck will uh, not be for sale. How how many decks come out now from movies and stuff like that? There's so many of them now. Um, it's like I find I find them kind of rad. Um, I've I've always wanted to find the Mage of the Ascension one. Apparently, you can find the Twin Peaks one on eBay. Just yeah, mm, it's just hard, yeah. and they go for a lot. Yeah, like probably this like one's... early. They're they're probably early like models from the GoFundMe or something like that that you probably could purchase because you can or actually just can't. I don't know if this is because there's websites you can print off your own tarot cards. Yeah. So I may have lied. Um, Gamecrafter.com is a really big one for any type of board games. Yeah. And like uh, if you're into RPG tabletops, card games, whatever that, but they also have a tarot card section. You can buy tarot cards made from there uh, that people have made and uploaded, or you can upload your own and buy your own, make your own tarot deck literally. Just kidding. Yeah. These ones I found on eBay aren't even tarot cards. They're just like yeah. trading cards. <laughs> yeah, I'm also very weary of tarot cards on, on eBay. Um, there's a lot of fakes on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a I lot. Don't get them off. Of... I don't get mine off eBay. Um, most um, of mine came from Etsy. I have a lot from eBay, but all mine are like old. I buy a lot of old decks off eBay. And I know what I look for as far as what people are selling and what they have and stuff like that. Um, if it says Rider White 1971 original, then no, that's fake. Yeah. <laughs> I got one of my um one two one of them like I'll either buy them off Etsy or like off you know off somebody who's like right. made them um or I found like going to places like Magical Druid or yeah. Witch Lab are really good places to get them. Yeah, I have a Rider White deck that I found um at a used bookshop for ten dollars. It's from the I was trying to date it. It's from the late seventies, early eighties, and I only paid ten dollars for it. I was super, nice. I was so stoked about that. I'm like, because <laughs> I just thought it was another one of the writer white decks. And I was like, oh my god, this doesn't have the copyright on it. This doesn't have a barcode. Doesn't have the website, and it had a, um, a different address for U.S. Games. It had the original address on it. So I was really, really stoked about that find. Also, huh. I can get a Maze of the Ascension Tarot for like a hundred bucks on eBay. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah it's. The, I mean, it's it's gorgeous art. Yeah, there's so many. Like I said, like there's a lot. Of, I wouldn't buy a brand new deck from eBay. Those are the ones I'm yeah. always I'm always worried about, unless it's, you can tell it's someone from someone's house. Um, but most of the used decks, I, I'm comfortable buying from eBay because um, most time it's you can tell it's you can tell a difference when it's from a company in China or somebody's house. Right. So you can just immediately tell from a post. Yeah, on eBay. exactly. But especially if you're yeah, a collector no, of anything. I've, I've I've really I've really mostly you know only really done readings with the Rider Waite because it's just it's the one that I've always had right and so it's the one that I'm very familiar with interpreting symbolism on and yeah it's just it's always worked for me oh. and yeah I I attribute I'd say probably a lot of that you know I won't say success but you know getting good at it to learning the symbolism back and forth, which is really just a lot of doing it, and then keeping notes, which is another thing that, you know, doing specifically starting with Chaos Magic and then leaning more into, like, ceremonial stuff kind of ingrained in me, and I'm just a guy who likes to take notes, <laughs> you know? It's, nope, this is what time I did it, this is, you know, 
keep track of other environmental factors, how I was feeling, and things like that. And just I'm the complete opposite. <laughs> like I do it, and I'm like, cool, all right, cool. I had that experience. I might write it down if nope. not, and I'm See, really, I'm really bad about that. I always stuff. write mine down too. Yeah, I'm really bad. Like what it what it does for me is it lets me. Sorry, go ahead. You were starting to say, and I'm allowed to interrupt you. Oh no, I was just gonna say. Um, I just. I, I I usually have whatever I'm doing like written down and I'm doing that and that's it. I don't write down like the cause or effects or aftermath or whatever. I don't write any of that stuff down. I did for a minute and I just I get I got lazy and I just like yeah whatever. <laughs> See for for me that that's so important to the practice for me because what it does is it prevents me from bullshitting myself. Yeah, because the the human brain will let you bullshit yourself so effectively. Mm-hmm, true. And yeah, if you if you let it, it will absolutely lie its face off to you. And you know, you'll be like, oh, you know that didn't work, but like maybe I saw something, and it lets you go back. And, you know, for instance, I've flipped back through my notes sometimes and been like, oh, okay, this thing that I did last year on this date, you know, okay, this is what's going on right now. Huh, interesting. That's that's a nice change. Yeah, which that's the reason I do it too. I think it's, um, you know, always nice and important to go back and reflect on like, oh, this was how... I was a year ago and this is yeah where I'm at now. I think for me it was just uh, it's just one of those things where I experienced something and I'm like cool all right I learned that from this okay and then I just kind of move on and just just move on. Uh, that that's one of the reasons why I don't really document much as far as for me. That's I think it's I think it also comes down to preference too though. Right and I think yeah. also too with that it kind of relates to what we were talking about with the meditation thing like different people like different things work for different people. Right. Yeah. I mean I I do again not I'm not going to be, you know, like hard line in the sand. Just for me it's always helped and it's a thing that I will always recommend to anybody that is getting into it is like learn to document, learn to take you know, not like super scientific, but like a scientific enough set of notes where it's, you can at least look, yeah, yeah, where you can at least look back on it and see like, okay, this is a thing that I was doing in like 2017. Also, it's just kind of nice to look and be like, okay, this is how I've changed since I started. Right. No, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and I think it's very beneficial to document. I'm just saying for me personally, I'm just, one of my things is I just kind of get lazy about it. Or when I do yeah. document stuff, it's so just basic outline that there's really not much information there for me to go back yeah. to even go back because I'm not one of those people who, um, again, I think for me, it's just more about the experience anything else i get like experience yeah. from it and i've i've learned something from that or you know it's like oh, i see something from a different point of view that i didn't see before and it's like huh cool that's like the main main takeaway and that's like cool i got what i needed out of that or it's just like um you know if i do something with a group it's just like cool i got like that camaraderie maybe that was like the main thing i needed out of that more than anything else which i think is also yeah. important too to like sometimes do it to like you said to, to oh get a different perspective on something like oh i never viewed that in that way before Right. Yeah. 
it's, you know, I, I think that part of it for me is that, you know, things are not always going to be immediate. I've definitely had things that I've done where I'm like, in the immediate term, okay, that looked like a failure until I stopped and I turned it a little bit and I looked at it from this angle, you know, three months down the line and okay, that was the start of this other thing. Right. Um, I also think that it's very important to be able to look and be like, you know, as we were saying at the beginning, no, that absolutely just that tanked. <laughs> right. Also, it's okay that, to recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like it's not only necessary, it's incredibly important to recognize like, all right, that tanked. Because if you don't, if you don't experience failure, if you don't experience challenges, I don't think you can grow. Exactly. Like stress and resistance are the things that we push against to grow. And so if you never encounter that stress and resistance, you're not working hard enough. I agree. Um, yeah. To, to use the music analogy, Jordan, you and I are both guitar players. Um, you've seen me live. There are times when I will write something that is right up at the edge of like, I'm not sure if I can pull this off. off. Yeah. And that's when alcohol comes in play. <laughs> Funnily not for me, because I stopped drinking. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, congrats. And I, I used to I used to drop the Ariel Burnside line, and now I don't, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, I don't drink anymore. I don't drink any less either. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's so I no I I go and I go into shows and everything like that. Uh, stone sober now. Oh wow! Well, yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Glad to hear that. Um, yeah, but no, it's you know it's that it's you know you you've written this part that's right up against the edge of what you can do live. So you have to grow to be able to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So on any final notes, I want to ask you this. Do you have any crazy ghost stories you'd like to share? Um, let's see. <sighs> so I use, yeah. Cause I know uh, you and I were talking and you're like, do you want me to share them? I was like, yeah, okay, let me think one up. And so, I'm going to ask now. Yeah. Is there anything you no. wanted to share? Let's see. Uh, there are a few that I can share with you. Um, so the home that I live in right now is, I am pretty sure haunted. Um, if you're I have saying not it's seen, pretty, pretty sure. sure. <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And it's nothing Probably to do with the is. Ouija board. <laughs> Well, no. So here's the thing is things that I found out after we moved into this, uh, the home we live in right now is was built at the turn of the 20th century, literally build date 1900. And for a while, this place was a bordello. Mm. And then they split it up into condos. And I'm not exactly sure when that happened, but two things that have happened in this house since I moved in are one we have found several buttons that do not belong to any item of clothing that either myself or my wife own or wear. Mean like- right at, like inside the door, like past the threshold. Oh, weird. Like past a locked door. And I was like, huh, weird. Um, and like checked and it's like, no, these don't belong to any of yours. These don't belong to any of mine. Weird. 
And then there's just a weird thing where, like, there'll be a cabinet door open. And it's like, okay. Like, I know I closed <laughs> that, that. I know you closed that. Like, one of us certainly didn't leave that on. Um, however, whatever it is, is fairly benign because I have absolutely walked into the kitchen and gone, hey, knock it off. We have a moth problem here. It's nighttime. Stop. <laughs> and it has pretty much ceased. Um, this is not the first time that I've ever just essentially scolded a ghost. Um, <laughs> but I mean, sometimes that's all you have to do. Yeah. I, I Here, I'll, I'll share two more with you. <laughs> I worked in um, a bar that was in the old original House of Blue Space in Harvard Square. And I worked in the basement bar where none of the other bartenders wanted to work. Because they're like, oh, it's haunted down there. It's creepy. And one day I was on the third floor doing count out. And we saw um, a keg fall in the keg room, which is in the basement. <laughs> and there was no reason for it to fall. And so I go down the stairs, go down three flights of stairs. And I walk into the keg room. And I just open up the liquor room and keg room door. And I go, hey, it's nighttime. <laughs> Knock it off. <laughs> Trying to count out. Ghosty. Pull this shit at two in the afternoon, guys. Ghosty Please. And I put the keg back up. And I just closed the door. And I'm like, yep, I just yelled at a ghost. But this has never happened. No, and I walk out and I turn the lights out and I walk out through the pitch black back to the stairs. I'm like, no, this is what we're doing. Um, Cerro Miedo. If you go in with no fear, you're pretty fine. Um... And then the third one that's a little bit weirder for me is when I was younger, when I was, uh, you know, just just after I'd left college, because I, I dropped out, I was working at um, a big box retail store in New Jersey that had been built over the site of the old Menlo Park Sanitarium. Mm. Um, and I worked, I was working overnights. I was working in electronics. So just restocking, you know, we've all had that overnight job. Yeah. I've done that. And too. I would often be the only person in that department because one person can handle that department. Um, and, yeah, just stuff would constantly get moved. And in, like, the stock room where it's like, okay, I, you know, went in there and the ladder is out of place and there's no reason security cameras would never work. Like, the security cameras would constantly go on the fritz. Hmm. Like, it was a, a noted problem. Like, corporate was complaining about it because it's a high it's a high value area right. to have right. your security cameras going out. Um, and I absolutely in that sock room, uh, saw several shadow people. And at one mm. point when I was walking to work, there was a section where you walked along roads, like along a road through woods. And there was a bridge that you had to pass under a little railroad bridge. And, I say this, and this is, you know, very much, this is the definition of unreliable eyewitness testimony. <laughs> because I will swear to you, but this is also half a lifetime ago. Right. 
um, that what I saw was a shadow person with a hat by the bridge that then darted under the bridge, and you had to pass under this bridge. There was no way around it. Oof. To get to the store. Surprise. Yeah. Oh, I called out that night. <laughs> I literally, I was like, nope, walking to work, walking to work. It's a nice summer day. It's a nice summer night. It's like 9.30 at night. Yeah. This, well, it's a goddamn shame I'm not going to work today then. <laughs> and I turned back around and walked back through the woods back up to back up to my house. Dude, I, I, I think shadow people are like one of the most scariest things on the planet. Like as, as far as all paranormal things, like shadow people for whatever reason, like scares the crap out of me probably more than anything else. Well, I think but, that's it, probably to your brain because right. like you can't. It's exactly, you know, it's a shadow person. You can't see. There's there's nothing. No there, features. Every single thing that's about a shadow person is just wrong. And you know, and like if you, you just process that, and you know yes. if something is it's wrong. Like a void of blackness. Yeah. And that, that's, I've, I've, that to me is what scares me about it. Is that it's just all wrong and there's nothing. It's just like, what can you do? It's nothing. It's terrifying to me. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not a fan. And those remain some of the. Honestly, some of the spookier, like, again, you know, here it's like, okay, it's cabinets and buttons. And it's just like, dude, knock it off. Stop messing right. with the cabinets, please. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I, it feels like I'm scolding a six-year-old. Stop playing with the cabinets. Don't touch my thermostat. Yeah. Um, You know, like, there's, you know, the, the one, you know, at the old House of Blues space was like, whatever. It's an old rock club. It's an old blues club. Like, These who, things, I honestly yeah. kind of loved that because it was like, whatever. It of course adds it's haunted. To, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's of course it's haunted. It's the old house of blues. It should um, be haunted. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, the people that trod this stage, R.L. Burnside, T-Model Ford, you know, B.B. King played there, I think. Like, this was a cool space. Um, You know, I'm, I'm, I'm touched to know that uh, several of my... Several men that I get to call friends got to play there, right. you know? But uh, none of them. Sadly, I had never got to meet RL or T-Model or BB King. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, that's cool. But, no, that big box store with it's just, yeah, our security equipment keeps breaking down yeah. for no good reason. Like, you know, stuff moves in that stock room for no good reason. You open the stock room door and it's like you see something dark and it's like, nope, closed door. I'll be back in 10 minutes. You go fuck yourself and sort yourself out there, bud. Yeah, I, I, got, you know? I got chased out of a uh, storage unit one time. <laughs> I saw a uh, corner of my eye. I saw like a shadowy figure like run, like run, like past the, like, the storage unit I was in. I was actually practicing there. I was like by myself. I was recording something and yeah. I literally jumped about 10 feet in the air. And I just started playing, and then immediately some of my brain was like, you should leave right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's primal. And then I got fucking, like, chased out of there. I was like, I, oh, God. I feel like if, you're, like if I was a ghost, though, like, and you were going to haunt somewhere, like, a blues place is a pretty, Yeah, like, that's a pretty fucking pretty rad great, place. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty rad place. I feel place. like yeah. that's the choice. It's the prime choice is a ghost. Yeah. Well, and and I think that I think that it was one of those, the building had always been there and kind of always been a bar. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, I don't know what it was, but it was just like, again, knock keg over. I'm not dealing with this. Yell. <laughs> I, I just, like, just knock it off. I had a friend who got woken up in the middle of the night by something because his house was haunted. 
and he literally drop kicked the air. <laughs> it's like two in the morning. He just fucking just jumps up and like Randy Orton drop kicks like in the middle of the air. He's like, he's like, I don't know what it was, but I drop kicked something. <laughs> all you could do. I'm like, most people would be like, terrified. Like you just fucking like just decided just up and just fucking jump up in the air and drop kick a fucking it's first. Ghost. It's, it's funny that that's their first instinct. Yeah, that was too, his like. first reaction. I'm like, well, that's funny. Drop kick this ghost. The funny thing about this guy, he didn't believe in anything. He was a complete skeptic about everything. He just woke up scared, just fucking drop, drop kicked. He's like, still don't know what it was. Don't care to know what it was. But yeah, he's like, I, I fucking drop kicked it. <laughs> I, I have a lot of friends that are skeptics. And my my favorite thing is always that I have several of them who call themselves skeptics and are clearly like, I would be terrified if, if I ran across something for real. Yeah. Right. And I, I always said that I wanted, there was one guy that I knew, he was a guitarist in another band, and like hardcore skeptic, but the most nervous person I'd ever met. And I'm like, I want like a ghost hunting show like BuzzFeed Unsolved with oh, that's you and such I. A good show. <laughs> I love that show, but it would just be a reversal of, because Ryan is constantly nervous and he's a believer yeah. and Shane's just like, fuck you, goat man. Yeah. And yeah. is a skeptic. And it would be this skeptic guy who's completely nervous, and then me just like wandering around sunglasses at night. Wild, I love this asylum. Cool. How are you not weirded out? Because I know like a dozen things I can do right now if I really get scared. Yeah. Um, yeah, funny thing about talking about like skeptics and stuff like that. So we actually purchased a haunted doll. Oh, yeah. Forewarning about uh, some the next future episodes and stuff. We Does actually, a haunted doll have a name? Not to No, it, does, it doesn't have a name. I feel like we should name um, her. So we, we purchased a haunted Matilda. <laughs> Matilda. Matilda. All right. Her All name's right. Matilda. Her name's so, Matilda now. Name's so we, Matilda. we purchased a haunted doll of eBay. It is hilarious because neither one of us wanted to, to keep this thing. So I asked, <laughs> so I went around and asked a bunch of friends who I knew were skeptics. Everyone was like, fuck no. Nope. Like, I'm not, no, no. I'm like, you don't believe in this shit, right? Still, no. No. Fuck no. Yeah. So I have a friend who doesn't believe this shit, and um, but he's also like into a cult and a bunch of weird shit. And I asked him, I was like, hey man, would you would you uh would you be interested in keeping this for us and like filming it and documenting your your life with this doll if it is indeed haunted? He was like, Fuck yeah. He's like, if anything, I'd be possessed, it makes a cool ass story. <laughs> and now he has the doll. Doesn't well, I know it's, been just, yeah. it's still oh, right, in shipping. That's right. It's, it's still in shipping. It's still in shipping. It should, should arrive yet, by but... Monday. So we'll be keeping updates on this haunted doll. Yeah. Where did you ship it to? His house. <laughs> like, how many states away is this? Oh, he's in he's in Columbus. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I actually went. I met up with him, but I gave him a video camera and I gave him an EMF reader, and I was like, hey, "That's yeah, right. That's what you gave him." I knew, like, I knew, like, you guys had met up and given something. That's what you gave him. So I was like, "Here you go, dude." So yeah, this is gonna be on future episodes. We're gonna yeah. be uh, covering I, this, and we're gonna actually it's gonna get, be a saga. Yeah, it's gonna be a little bit saga. But, uh, we have some we have some plans for this, and it's uh, it's gonna be amazing. And I'm gonna laugh even harder if this is all for nothing. <laughs> I, I if it's love good, it. I feel like it could potentially be like a permanent segment. Yeah, who show. knows? But yeah, um, so we we did purchase a haunted doll because yeah. we've been talking about it forever. But neither one of us wanted it shipped to our no, houses, so I had shipped not. to his house. Like it was like we <laughs> talked about it in the first episode, and our immediate response was like there was no like even contemplating it. We were both like, no, like yeah. we're not keeping it. Someone like, else has yeah, to do it. I'm drawing a line in the sand here. Yeah. Right. I have a friend who's a borderline atheist, and I asked her, and she was like, no. I was like, you don't believe in this stuff. Why does it matter? No. <laughs> Yeah, that's like when when we pulled the um, when we pulled the Ouija board out of the wall, um, and I can send you two 
because I have them at least on on my Instagram. I have the picture of where it was in the wall. Oh man! And it was literally just we're filling like a void space between like the cabinets and the wall. And I put it online, and immediately like one of my atheist friends comments, "Put it back." <laughs> and I'm like, same same view. You don't believe in this? Yeah. Like a bunch of my like witchy friends were like, "You should put that thing back." No. It belongs to me now. I love uh, your mentality, though, yeah. because I would probably be one of those people, too, that would be like, put it back. But I love your mentality. Yeah. It's like, no, this is mine now. It's my house, yeah, my no. Ouija board. This is, this is my mine. Wall. It, it belongs to... It belongs to... Actually, it's up on... We have a we have a built-in set of shelves in our living room, and it sits up on those shelves. Yeah, you'll just um, send me a picture of Sam Post. Yeah, but... Yeah, no, I'm like, no. This is a family heirloom. It deserves to not be in a wall it deserves to be and you know my wife's grandmother told the story about like oh yeah no you know my mother had that and she used it when i was a child I feel and again like... this is a woman in her 90s so i'm like okay you were born in like 1930 your okay mother now. had this in the 1930s that most world war ii era this is an original this is an original Ouija board. I feel like this having is sitting that on my shelf. This is the coolest it. thing yeah. in the world. Yeah, I think the fact that you just started like, yeah, this thing's awesome. You're just hanging up on a wall. It's, yeah, I would do the same thing. To be yeah, honest. I feel yeah. like you wouldn't have any issues yeah. there having a, res- a respect for it. But right. yeah, I wouldn't be yeah. using it. I probably wouldn't use it. So, it is very funny, though, because we passed a municipal building that uh, a buddy of ours works at in town that night, and something had tripped off the lights, so all the lights on the third floor were flashing. <laughs> And so I just straight lied to people. I took a video of that I you post- standing outside it, I and I was you- like, "Oh, guys, you were right. I shouldn't screw. I shouldn't have screwed with the Ouija board." I remember you sent me that. Like, I saw the video, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, like- I don't know what tripped it off. It, it's the emergency management oh, building here in town. And I was me, just like, "Cracked me up." So I saw the video, and I actually hit you. I was up. like, "This was is like- too perfect." You're like, "Oh no, there's something wrong with the lighting." I was like, "That's hilarious." Yeah, no, it's it, mine. I've I've always said that my my favorite thing to do if I got myself in some shit would be to no sell the crap out of it. Just like Brad majors that thing to death. Yeah. Like in, like in Rocky horror when he's like, okay, here's this weird, like, you know, sex party dance. So do you guys know the Madison? (laughs) Apparently the original Ouija board costed a dollar 50. Wow. If any of you, that was a lot of money in those days. Yeah. That's dollar 50. Whole dollar 50. Hmm. Yeah, I found a copy of the um, original print of when it first came out. And nice. it says, every sale is our word of honor. Man. So, uh, oh, what are you saying? Oh, no, I'm just like, yeah, I do. I do like the Ouija board. It is it is such an American invention. I, I appreciate spiritualism. I appreciate. You know, it hasn't always gone well. It hasn't always worked out perfectly. Spiritualism. But... That was the word I was trying to think of earlier. That's, yeah. That was came out in like the 50s and 60s. New Age came out in like the 70s. But yeah, spiritualism was a big hit in the 50s and 60s. Spiritualism actually dates all the way back to the 1800s. Well, yeah, but I'm saying there, yep. was, there was this huge like trend peak in the 50s and 60s. And that's when like everyone had an Ouija board in their house and stuff. Like yeah. That. It says. That that was that was the, the, the parlor board. You know. yeah. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Yeah. And it's actually in the in the article i have up it says ouija explanation board but explanation point but it's actually not called a ouija board it's called the mysterious talking board um it says 
well, I guess it is called a Ouija board in the clip of it. It says a Ouija board affords amusement for young and old. It's mystery mysterious. Ask it a lot of questions. Ouija will answer it. Lots of fun and just the thing for parties or to wild away the long evenings. <laughs> I That's amazing. I, I love it. Yeah. yeah it's to while away the long evenings. If if you come at magic and the occult with you know, not a ton of fear and trembling, I feel like there's not I feel like it will change you, but I feel like, you know, people come at it with this real sense of trepidation. And I feel like, like we were talking about earlier with positive, you know, mental attitude and that how you come at the world shapes and ex- shapes and colors, how you experience the world. True. Totally so agree. if you come at the cult with, you know, Oh, I'm going to use this to, you know, make a million dollars and screw everybody that gets in my way. Congratulations. That is going to be your experience. If you come at it, with fear that is going to be your experience yeah. if you come at it with as i feel like all three of us do this is going to help me grow as a person that is what you're going to experience right yeah and me and yeah. me i've had some experiences where um even doing like ritual work and some of it did scare me i had some some pretty oh, yeah. intense stuff but it's like okay this is happening cool uh, where do I go from here? Do I stop or do I continue on and see where this goes? And normally that's what my, I usually go with ladder. I usually go, okay, I'm, I'm just going to keep going and see where this, where this goes. And usually it's worked out. I'm like, okay, cool. It's like, um, I don't know how else to explain it, but like, it's like leveling up in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Kind of though. Yeah. yeah. Kind of. Like, yeah. Oh, cool. No, that, that absolutely works right. as a way of explaining it. And I think that's kind of goes for a lot of things in life. When you do something, they're like, oh man, this scares the shit out of me, or this makes me really uncomfortable. And you go through it, and you're like, oh wow, that actually wasn't that bad. No. Oh. So. Yeah. There's being, being scared is being, being scared and being challenged by something is a necessary part of life. Right. Um, continuing on with, that kind of fearful doom saying like, Oh, everything is going to go horrible. Yeah. Leads to things going horrible. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. My, my, and, and uh, for me, it's like, Oh, this is going to go bad. Cool. All right. Let's do it anyway. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think no. that that's about how I would go into a lot of things sometimes yeah. is I'm like, you know what? Cause you just have to face the reality that like, I have to do it regardless. So let's just, yeah, let's go in. Yeah. Be, be scared and do it anyway. <laughs> Okay, so on that note, uh, Fan Emotion, your band, just released a brand new song, uh, Notice Me Senpai, right? Yep. And it's now available on your band camp at phantomotion.bandcamp.com. Uh, yep. You can also find your other band, what is it, Hidden Knives, correct? Hidden Knives. Okay, hiddenknives.bandcamp.com. Of course, you can find both these bands on Facebook. Just search for Phantom Ocean or Hidden Knives. Yep, uh, we are a little bit more active on Instagram. Oh, okay. So, Do same know- thing, search those there. Okay. Uh, Phantom Ocean Band and Hidden Knives Band on Instagram. Uh, Hidden Knives right now is on a little bit of a hiatus just because, you know, COVID. there was yep. a pandemic and I couldn't exactly quarantine with my uh, with my drummer from Hidden Knives. But because Phantom Ocean is my wife and I, Sarah, um, we could. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. Of course, you can find us online at thespookydoor.com. Uh, find us on any social media platform. Just you looking, just use 
at the spooky door. Um, if you have any questions, comments, uh, any stories of yourself or anything else you'd like to share with us, you can find us. You can email us at info at the spooky We want to thank Drew so much for being on the show with us today. Hey, thank you for having me. This has been an amazing discussion. I am. Uh, yeah, this has been an amazing. Uh, been, so this has been a really fun conversation. I've been really wanting to dabble into uh, us talking about the occult. So this is a great way of getting into that. Um, Ashley, do you have any last Um, I do. Um, I wanted to give a shout out and a thank you to my friend Sarah Sanchez. Um, we have a portion on our website where you can go and essentially buy us a coffee. And um, she bought us a coffee. So thank you, and thank you for listening to our podcast. So once again, I want to thank Drew for being honest with us today. Uh, my name is Jordan. With me as always, Ashley. And journey with us next time through the spooky door.